0: You're listening to the RBN Energy Blogcast. This is an audio version of RBN Energy's daily blog, the oil and gas industry's go-to source for insight. Every day, we cover commodity fundamentals, industry changes, and developing trends across energy markets. And now, we're making it easier than ever to enjoy our blogs. Whether it's on your drive into work, while you're at the office, or at home walking the dog, settle in, turn the volume up, and enjoy. Tuesday, November 17, 2020. Sign of the Times. A tough year for crude oil slows pipeline development to a crawl. Published by Houseley Carr. Bombarded by COVID-related demand destruction and weak, sometimes dismal crude oil pricing, producers have been pulling in their horns this year, and midstream companies have been doing the same. A number of major pipeline projects have been delayed, scrapped, or simply removed from midstreamers' slide deck presentations, having failed to garner long-term shipper commitments they needed to remain viable in this era of retrenchment and fingers crossed we survive. Even with the 2020 pullback in pipeline development, at least a couple of major production areas, the Permian and the Bakken, may well end up with considerably more takeaway capacity than they will need for the foreseeable future. Today, we discuss the oil pipeline projects that have stalled or died this year, and the ones that have managed to move forward despite it all. Only a couple of years ago, it was hard to keep up with all the crude oil pipeline projects being announced. In some cases, competing midstream companies were proposing multiple solutions to the same perceived needs. For example, in the summer and fall of 2018, four major pipeline projects to transport oil from the Cushing, Oklahoma storage and distribution hub to the Gulf Coast were unveiled. These four are as follows. 1. Tallgrass Energy's proposed 700-mile seahorse pipeline from Cushing to the storage, distribution, distribution and refinery hub in St. James, Louisiana and from there to a new marine terminal Tallgrass also was planning to build a few miles down the Mississippi River in Plaquemines Parish, Louisiana announced in August 2018, Seahorse would have a capacity of up to 800,000 barrels per day. 2. Magellan Midstream Partners and Navigator Energy Services planned Voyager pipeline system announced in November 2018, which would be capable of transporting at least 250,000 barrels per day from Cushing to the Magellan East Houston or MEH, terminal in Houston and, from there, to refineries in the Houston-Texas city area or to crude oil export facilities such as Magellan-Seabrook Logistics Joint Venture, or JV, terminal. 3. Phillips 66 and Plains All-Americans proposed Red Oak Pipeline, also announced two years ago this month, which would have moved up to 800,000 barrels per day from Cushing to Wichita Falls, Texas then south to Sealy, Texas where the pipeline would split, with laterals headed south to Corpus Christi and east to Houston and Beaumont, Texas. 4. DCP Midstream and Semgroup's planned 300,000 barrels per day Gladiator pipeline from Semgroup's Cushing Terminal to Moore Road Junction in the Houston area, plans for which were announced in December 2018. Semgroup was later acquired by Energy Transfer. The Gladiator project would involve the conversion of DCP's existing Southern Hills NGL pipeline to crude oil service as well as the addition of small sections of new pipeline at Southern Hill starting and ending points, all by the third quarter of 2020. Today all but P-66 Plains Red Oak project have faded from view and plans for Red Oak, and the related Bakken to Cushing Liberty Pipeline planned by a JV of Phillips 66 Partners and Bridger Pipeline, more on that in a moment, have been deferred indefinitely. The cause of all of the development and action along the Cushing to Gulf Coast corridor has been a lack of commitment by crude oil shippers, a situation only exacerbated by the pandemic, or price, and production cutback-related market dislocations of the past few months. Perhaps the biggest concentration of crude oil pipeline development activity over the past couple of years has been in the Permian, or more specifically the corridors from West Texas to Corpus Christi and Houston. From August 2019 to April 2020, three new, greenfield pipelines from the Permian to Corpus area, cactus II, at 670,000 barrels per day, at crude, at 600,000 barrels per day, and Grey Oak, at 1 million barrels per day, came online, eliminating the takeaway constraints that had been plaguing producers and shippers in the once fast-growing production area through much of 2018 to 2019. Also, a JV of Energy Transfer and ExxonMobil in the summer of 2019 started up its Permian Express 4, which can deliver up to 120,000 barrels per day of Permian crude to the Houston area. This past summer, Enterprise Products Partners commissioned its Midland to Echo 3 project, which is part of the larger 650-mile, 1.5 million barrels per day Wink to Webster Pipeline being co-developed by affiliates of ExxonMobil, Plains, MPLX, Delec US, Lotus Midstream, and Rattler Midstream. Wink to Webster is expected to be completed in the second half of 2021, and possibly a little sooner. But another major Permian to Houston area project was cancelled, Enterprise's own Midland to Echo 4 project, a planned 450,000 barrels per day pipeline, that is separate from Wink to Webster, was terminated in September, after the company and prospective shippers on the project determined that the new capacity wasn't needed and reached an agreement to scrap it. The pipelines that have come online between the Permian and the Gulf Coast in the past 15 months or so, Cactus 2, Epic, Permian Express 4, Gray Oak, and Midland 2 Echo 3, have given the U.S.'s largest oil production area considerably more takeaway capacity, and it will need through at least the mid-2020s. More than 3 million barrels per day of surplus capacity under RBN's mid-production forecast scenario, which based on a flat $45 per barrel price for WTI, and 2 million barrels per day under our high production forecast scenario, which is based on a flat $55 per barrel price. Wink to Webster, which is supported by long-term take-or-pay commitments, will only add to that takeaway surplus. As we said at RBN's fall 2020 school of energy virtual a few weeks ago, there is now spare capacity on almost every crude oil pipeline out of the Permian, and that will likely remain the case unless there is at least some rationalization of the capacity now in place. We track Permian prices, infrastructure, and other market related developments in RBN's weekly crude oil permian report then there's the bakken the us's third largest crude oil production area by output after the permian and the offshore gulf of mexico covid demand destruction and sharply lower oil prices resulted in a dramatic fall off in bakken production earlier this year from 1.4 million barrels per day in march to less than 830,000 barrels per day in may according to the north dakota oil and gas division while Bakken output has since rebounded to more than 1.1 million barrels per day as of August, the pre-pandemic production forecasts that encourage the development of new takeaway pipeline capacity, including the expansion of the 570,000 barrels per day Dakota Access Pipeline, or DAPL, and the construction of Bridger Pipeline's Equality Pipeline, now seem super optimistic, suggesting another likely overbuild situation. Equality, a 193-mile, 200,000 barrels per day expansion of the Bridger Pipeline system from Hullett, Wyoming, to the crude oil hub in Guernsey, Wyoming was finished a few weeks ago, and is either is online or will be very soon. Similarly, Energy Transfer and the other co-owners of the DAPL pipeline from the Bakken to Patoka, Illinois in mid-October secured the last regulatory approval they need to proceed with a 180,000 barrels per day expansion of DAPL to about 750,000 barrels per day, a project they expect to complete late in the third quarter of 2021. During its November 4 earnings call, Energy Transfer said that while it is somewhat optimistic that Bakken production will continue rising over the next year, thereby justifying the addition of new capacity, the expansion project's cost is largely underwritten by long-term take-or-pay commitments by shippers. BAP also faces continued legal challenges. We'd be remiss if we failed to note that Bridger's Equality Pipeline was developed in part to support the development of Bridger and Phillips 66 Partners planned Liberty Pipeline, a 700-mile, 400,000-barrels-per-day project from Guernsey, Wyoming to Cushing that originally was targeted to start up as soon as 2021. Plans for Liberty and Phillips 66 and Plains Red Oak Project from Cushing to the Gulf Coast were put on indefinite hold in March 2020, however, due to COVID-related market uncertainty. We conclude our review of the crude oil pipeline hits and misses of the COVID era with a look at TC Energy's long-planned 830,000 barrels per day Keystone XL pipeline, or KXL, from Hardesty, Alberta to Steel City, Nebraska, where it would connect with existing elements of the Keystone system to Patoka and Cushing. KXL, which was first proposed in 2008, finally locked in its final investment decision, or FID, In March 2020, when Alberta's provincial government stepped forward with commitments to provide $1.1 billion in equity to cover most of the planned construction costs through the rest of 2020. Alberta also agreed to guarantee $4.2 billion in project debt. But, like DAPL, KXL faces legal challenges, KXL's in the form of a nationwide Permit 12 for water crossings. Now, the TC Energy project faces an even more serious threat, President-elect Biden's commitment to withdraw the presidential permit for a US-Canada border crossing that outgoing President Trump signed back in 2017. TC Energy has indicated that it still expects the controversial project to proceed. Sign of the Times was written and produced by Prince. It appears as the first song on side one of record one from Prince's ninth studio release, the double album also titled Sign of the Times. The song was recorded in July 1986 at Sunset Sound in Hollywood, California, with Prince performing all vocals and instrumentation. Released as the first single from the album in February 1987, it went to number 1 on the Billboard Hot R&B/Hip-Hop Songs chart and number 3 on the Billboard Hot 100 Singles chart. The album Sign of the Times was recorded between March 1986 and January 1987 at Prince's 3 Studios in the Minneapolis area as well as Sunset Sound in Hollywood, Monterey Sound, in Glendale, California, and Dirk Studio in Paris. Released in March 1987, the double album went to number 4 on the Billboard R&B Albums Chart and number 6 on the Billboard Top 200 Albums Chart. It has been certified platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America. Four singles were released from the album. Prince was an American singer, songwriter, musician, record producer, dancer, actor, and filmmaker. Signed to Warner Brothers Records when he was 19 years old, Prince has released 39 studio albums, 5 live albums, 9 compilation albums, 13 EPs, and 106 singles. He has sold over 100 million records worldwide, and has released 5 feature-length films. Prince has won 7 Grammy Awards, 7 Brit Awards, 6 American Music Awards, 4 MTV Video Music Awards, 1 Academy Award, and 1 Golden Globe Award. He is a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, UK Music Hall of Fame, and Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame, and is a recipient of the Billboard Icon Award. Prince died in April 2016 at the age of 57. This has been the RBN Energy Broadcast. Thanks for listening.